Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today's scripture is read by Ryan Royal and Trevor McNulty. And Joe Simprich shares on the importance and the benefits of praying together. And now, here's Ryan, followed by Joe. I'm going to ask Joe Simprich to uh, come forward. And while he does, I'm just going to read... Um, the passage from Acts that he's, uh, he'll be speaking on today. So if you'd like to follow along, it's Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. If you prefer to uh, just listen, that's fine too. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's, bro- John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for the for public trial after Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in his cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awake him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and, your, and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left his cell, following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through it and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The, the Lord... Oh, I highlighted it, sorry. <clears throat> it's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angels and saved me from Herod. And from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile... Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what had happened, he said, and then he went to another place. Amen. Ryan, Bruce, and it was just absolutely beautiful. can't say enough how important worship really is. But before I begin, uh, some of you may say, this is supposed to be New Year's, New Year's message. Well, you'll be hearing that next Sunday, so you have to come back for that. And this week, you're going to be hearing my message that I really believe the Lord has put on my heart. But before I begin, I want to wish everyone here a very happy New Year and all of God's richest blessings for this coming year. Let's just... Uh, open up in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and what your word says, Lord. 
that your word is an encouragement to us, Lord, and that your word challenges us as well too, Heavenly Father. So, Lord, we just commit our time to you that you will use this time together, Father, to be an encouragement and a blessing to each one that is here, but also, most importantly of all, to be honoring, glorifying to you. Something that's been in my heart for the last little while and something that I really want to share with each of you is corporate prayer. The importance of it and the benefits of it. So someone may say, what is corporate prayer? Well, basically what it is is when two or more of us come together to pray together. Whereas personal prayer is when we pray by ourselves. But before I begin, I really want to emphasize this. That I am so thankful and grateful that BFA is a praying church. We have the prayer chain. We have our Monday night prayer meetings. The grief share prayer group. The Bible study prayer times. And the men's prayer breakfast. And just so you ladies know, we just don't eat. We also take time to pray together as a group of men. And that is so neat. And of course, those in our church family who are our prayer warriors. Another point that's really important for me to emphasize this morning is I do not believe that praying together as a group is any more important than praying personally. Or that God responds more or desires us more when we come corporately to pray than when we do personally. I have found no verse or verses which tell us that there is more power in praying or that it works or that it makes God more likely to answer. All God really desires from us to do is to come and to pray to Him. What is important, though, is to remember to keep in mind the purpose of prayer. Prayer is a way that God has given us to know His will for us. To praise Him. To worship Him. To thank Him for what He has done for us. To bring our care and our needs to Him. But also of others as well. You know, prayer is a way that we can be in relationship with Him. Then why do I want to speak to you about corporate prayer? Well, I believe when we come together to pray together that, uh, sorry, let me say that again. Well, I believe that coming and praying together provides some benefits that do not happen when we pray in our own personal prayer time. Praying together helps build unity. It provides comfort for our pain. It encourages Others who are there praying with us. You know, hearing someone else praying for you, actually hearing them, can be so encouraging and uplifting. That doesn't mean that when they pray for you personally, it doesn't have that effect. But when you hear somebody praying for you, just so uplifting. When we pray together, we are reminded that we are all part of the same body. We can share our joys, sorrows with each other, support each other through prayer, strengthen each other. 
John Franklin, in an article he wrote about corporate prayer, said this in reference to Romans 12. God so raised the level of connectivity that just as a body part can't accomplish its function except by depending on other body parts, we need each other to function properly. You know, this doesn't mean that a believer's personal prayer life is obsolete or has become of lesser importance. But it does imply that being a body mandates that we regularly encounter him together. And likewise, body life spills into every aspect of our relationship with God and others, demanding that we practice both personal and corporate prayer. You know, when we pray together, you know what? We are reminded that we are all part of the same body. And Ryan said something this morning that really hit me. And it wasn't in my message, but, you know, every now and then he said, when we pray corporately together, you know what? We are drawn closer together. You know, what's the first thing that many of us do when we are feeling or are facing a health crisis? Need comfort need help with finances, are looking for his direction, or some other great need. We seek out as many people as we can to pray to God on our behalf. Or you know what? It could even be for someone else's need. Knowing that prayer is being done for you, it is such an encouragement. I know personally, personally, when I've been prayed for, especially when I'm going to have to give a message, it has been such an encouragement and a blessing to me that knowing that people are praying for me. You know, what this does is it builds in us a love and a concern for each other. Praying together can also help us get to know each other better. You know, as we read throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see over and over again the importance and benefits of people coming together, of nations coming together to pray together. You know, often in the Old Testament, it was usually a prophet or an individual that prayed to God. But there are a number of examples when a nation came together and prayed to God to seek Him, to ask Him, to, to save them from their enemies, or to forgive them, or look for direction. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, and we know this story, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. And tell them that he was going to destroy the city in 40 days. What did the Ninevites do? Even though Nineveh was a pagan city, they believed what God was, had proclaimed. So they proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth. They fasted. But one thing to really remember. When the people fasted in those days, prayer was always a priority with it. Jim and I were talking about this this week. And Jim said something really interesting. I'm going to share this with you. He said, you know, Joe, fasting without praying is just dieting. That's what it is. In verses of chapter 3, of verses 6 to 9, we read, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. 
by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every man turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? You know, not just the people fasted, but here we read about the king and the nobles doing the same thing. In verse 8, the king says that everyone should cry out mightily to God and turn from their wicked ways. I really like the way the New Living Translation says, cry mightily out to God. And it says this way, to pray earnestly to God. You know, the king saw the importance of everyone to pray to God for his mercy and forgiveness and to repent. God's response was, he, he did hear them. He did show them mercy. He did not destroy the city. You know, even though they were just seeking God not to destroy the city, that threat brought all the citizens of Nineveh together to pray together to God. In Esther chapter 4, we read of Esther seeking an audience with the king. Due to the king allowing Haman to seek out a decree to kill all the Jews. No one, and we remember this, could have an audience with the king unless they were summoned by him. And since Esther was not summoned by him, it could have resulted in her death if she went to him. But before she goes to the king, she tells her cousin Mordecai in chapter 4, verse 16, to go and gather all the Jews that are in Susa and fast for me for three days. And she and her maidens would do the same. And after three days, she went before the king and she was granted an audience to the king without being summoned. You know, her request brought the Jews together and committed to God. You know, knowing that they were praying and fasting for her must have given her a great bit of encouragement, but also given her the boldness to go before the king and bring this request to him. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, when the Moabites and the Amorites and other nations were coming to make war against Judah, King Jehoshaphat proclaims a fast throughout all of Judah. And in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 12 and 13, we read, O our God, you do not, sorry, O God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. They realized that they had no power to fight against their enemies. They were too great. They needed God to intercede. So, what does Judah do? They gathered together and asked God to help them. They came together and stood before him to seek his deliverance from their enemies. I really like the way this one commentator said that. This threat 
made them the more fervent in their supplication to God. So they hoped that the Lord would have pity on and compassion on them and save them. God heard their plea and they were saved. Now, these are not the only time that the Israelites or other nations gathered together to pray to God for God's mercy and grace and to seek his direction. But you know what? It's no different for the early church. They saw how important it was for them coming together to pray together, to seek God's wisdom and making different, uh, difficult decisions for direction, for deliverance, boldness, strength for each other, to encourage each other. You know, right from the very beginning, from the very beginning, we read in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 down to 14, we read this. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The first thing that the apostles did when they returned from Jerusalem was what? They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. With them was also Mary, Jesus' mother, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. You know, one might say that this was the first prayer meeting of the early church. They knew how important it was for them to be in prayer together. In verses 15 to 24 of that same chapter, we read when there were 120 believers gathered together, they sought the Lord's leading in choosing a replacement for Judas. And in verse 24, we read that they all prayed and asked the Lord to show them who it should be. In Acts chapter 6, verses uh, uh, 3 down to 6, we read, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, who they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of the Lord, the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And the seven men had to be chosen to help in serving. What did the apostles do? They prayed. And then they laid hands on them. You know, the early church knew how important it was to come together and pray together. When seeking God's leading and making such important decisions and being united in their decision. 
prayer was clearly an important, a high priority and a major part of life for the early church. Acts 2, verse 42, we read, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They recognized that prayer was a source of intimacy with God, which gave them a sensitivity to His direction and allowed His power to work through them. In Acts 4, when Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders and elders, and were charged and commanded not to speak and teach about Jesus anymore, what's the first thing after Peter and John were released? They went to their friends and they told them what the priests and the elders said to them. And in verse 24, when the multitude heard this, they lifted their voices together. Basically what they were doing, they were asking God to give them the boldness to continue in spreading, uh, preaching the word. But you know what's really exciting about this chapter? And this verse has always really hit me. It's verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. As I thought of that verse, I thought, wow, Let's say we had a prayer meeting here at BFA and all of a sudden it started to shake. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? So amazing. Paul often asked the churches to pray for him. In Romans 15, verses 30 to 33, he tells them to strive together in prayer to God for me. To the Colossians in Colossians 4 3, to devote themselves to prayer and to pray for him to speak the mysteries of Christ. And in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1, he asked the Thessalonians to pray for him to spread the word. Philippians 1 19, where Paul is in prison, he wrote to the Philippians. And again, I like the way the New Living Translation translates this verse. It says, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will be my deliverance. Paul knew the importance for the churches to be praying for him. He encouraged them to continue to pray for him. You know, the missionaries that we support and those who are serving here at BFA is so important for us to hold them up in prayer and be <clears throat> and to encourage them and to uplift them in prayer. You know, it has to be in so encouraging for them to know that we are upholding them and uplifting them in prayer as a church. You know, Jesus himself also saw the importance of what it was to pray together. You know, most of Jesus' recorded uh, times of prayer, a private prayer, were prior to the choosing of his disciples. Afterwards, most of his recorded times involved the disciples. And Luke uh, chapter 9, 
uh, verse 28, we read, And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mount to pray. But probably one of the most important times that we read of Christ wanting his disciples to be with him was in Matthew 26, verse 40. When he was facing the greatest crisis of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He brought Peter, James, and John, and he said to them, watch with me. He did not want to be alone. He wanted his disciples to be with him. Just something to remember. Often when we read the word you in Scripture, we often think of it as being singular. But when in fact, it is plural. In Mark 11, uh, chapter, I mean, Mark 11, verse 25, we read, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. And your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. That verse is actually translated when you all stand praying together. Over and over again, Christ knew the importance of us coming together and praying together. In Matthew 18, verses 9 to 20, Jesus says, And again I say to you, that if two of you are agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. There's a lot of different interpretations on, from different commentators what this verse is actually referring to. Some feel it's referring to discipline in the church, and others have other ideas. But I want to just say this about these verses. You know, often when we are praying and someone else is praying with us and their prayers in line with our prayer, you know, what does that do? It, and it brings us united in prayer together, but it also builds unity. This morning I asked Ryan to read from Acts uh, 12, chapter verses 1 to 17. And it tells us of the account of when Peter was arrested in prison and how the church got together and prayed for him. You know, we're told that Peter was put in prison by Herod to please the Jews. And just before Herod did this, he had killed James, the brother of John. And in verse 5, we read that constant prayer was made for Peter by the church to God. The word constant here has the idea behind it, they were praying continually without ceasing. They were united in their prayer for him. Peter's need brought the church together to pray. In verses 6 to 11, we read how Peter is set free. He is in chains between two guards, and the angel of the Lord is standing next to him. A light shines in the cell, and the angel hits him on the side, wakes him up, tells him, get up quickly, get dressed, Put on your sandals and your cloak. Wrap it around you. And follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I, if I was in Peter's predicament, I don't think I'd be sleeping that soundly that it would take an angel to wake me up. I think I'd be on my knees praying as well. But I believe what this does say about Peter 
is his faith and trust that he had in God. If it were possible for God to free him, he would. If executed, he would be with him. When he gets to Mary's house, we're told there were many there praying for him as well. But, here's the interesting thing about that. When they realized it was him, and they let him in, what was their response? We are told they were astonished. They were amazed. They couldn't believe it was him. How could it be? He was in prison under heavy guard. How did he get free? So then Peter tells them how the Lord set him free. You know, I'm sure just as many were praying for Peter together, there were many praying for him by themselves as well. They were amazed that Peter was set free. That God answered their prayers. No, God does the impossible. We need to ask ourselves, do we bring the impossible to him? And we all have seen it. When persecution comes, what is the effect that it has on the church? It has come it is to come together and to pray together. Over and over again we read in the New Testament how the New Testament believers got together to pray together. Whether it was when they faced opposition, persecution, to encourage each other or seeking direction to be a strength for each other, for unity, or to encourage their leaders for boldness in spreading of the word. I believe that for them, coming together and praying together was a vital part of the early church growing. So the question I ask ourselves, do we see the importance and benefits of corporate prayer? When we here at BFA are facing difficult situations or making important decisions or seeking God's direction to come together to pray. Again, I don't want to minimize the importance of a commitment to personal and private prayer. But let me put it to you this way, prayer. But let me put it to you this way, of an airplane. Which one would you rather be without? The absence of either one is fatal. We need both. Thank you all. The closing uh, song is based on Psalms 13. So I'm going to read Psalms 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel, sorry, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in, in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you for the message this morning that reinforces through 
examples, the many prophets of old, disciples and apostles, and even the person of Jesus who showed us the importance and the priority and the preeminence of prayer. We thank you that prayer brings us before God in a way that's unique, that we can speak directly with an open heart. We can be transparent. We can be ourselves. We can say anything to you, Lord, and we know that we're in a safe and secure place. We thank you that prayer does indeed unite us and brings us together. It strengthens us and encourages us. It gives us reason to gather, but it also gives us reason to continue knowing that you hear. And Isaiah says, he even, Lord, you incline your ear to us that when we pray, Lord, your attention is completely on what we say. We thank you that you remind us to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving that we should offer our request to you and the wonderful peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard us, our hearts and our mind in Jesus. And may we go into this coming year guarded by the peace of God that protects our heart and mind in Jesus and motivates us to come to you in prayer, Lord, not only with our needs, but with our thanksgiving and our gratitude. We appreciate you, Lord. We love you. And we just ask you to part us with your blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.